last week we talked about the church at Ephesus, and this week we're talking about a church in a city called Sardis. And this is uh, this is Revelation three one through three, which will get you kind of the the essence of this. I want you to receive it. I want you to pay attention. To the angel of the church in Sardis, the angel wouldn't be an actual angel as in an angelic being. This would have been the pastor of that church, the messenger of that church. Angelos in Greek means messenger, right? To the angel of the church in Sardis, write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God or the sevenfold spirit of God, referring to the fact that the Holy Spirit is everywhere. And the seven stars, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I come to you. So I was going to play this clip from the movie Sixth Sense. Have any of you ever seen that movie, The Sixth Sense? I can remember watching that movie with a group of people from this church. Right after we started this church in 1999, yes, we've been around forever. We started this church on what day in 1999? Next Sunday is what day? Maybe you should be here. But shortly after we started this church, uh, we used to go to movies all the time. This is like a fellowship in church. And we would go out to eat all the time. We would go to movies all the time. It was not hard to get people together to do something because everybody was single and didn't have all this, you know, drama and family and all these other obligations going on. And everybody just wanted to hang out. So they would come to church and then we would all go and do different stuff. And we went in mass to see all kinds of movies. All of the Lord of the Rings movies, our whole church went to see these, right? Um, but I can recall being invited to go with a group to Sixth Sense. I can even remember sitting in this row with everybody watching the movie. Now, I don't get into horror movies. And Sixth Sense, it, it could be construed as a thriller or it could be construed as a horror movie. And I don't like horror movies, but it was so engaging, right? So the movie is about this uh, child psychologist by the name of Malcolm Crow, Dr. Malcolm Crow, um, who's played by Bruce Willis. And at the beginning of the movie, uh, one of his former patients breaks into his house and attacks him and then kills himself. And so we see that uh, Malcolm Crow, Dr. Crow, is wounded. And then the movie kind of flashes forward in time. And now Dr. Crow is visited by this little boy who is in need of help. And the little boy's name is Cole, played by Haley Joel Osment, who just did an incredible job. I mean, to think the kid's like 30 now is hard to believe, but nonetheless, or more. Um, but I don't know if you remember this. And, and so if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, I'm going to have to give this away in order to use this as an illustration for our message today. Um, but uh, it's, it's a great clip. In fact, I posted, the, um, I posted the link to the clip online. So those of you that are watching, uh, don't do it now, okay? But after the message, you can click that. And it's just a one-minute clip. But... Um, Dr. Crow is, is, you know, having a session with Cole, and Cole says, I'm ready to tell you my secret now. And of course, this has become a cultural phenomenon, what I'm about to say, and it's the title of my message today. And 
he looks up at Dr. Crow and he says, I see dead people. And Dr. Crow said, what, when you're asleep? No. Like in graves? No, walking around like regular people. He said, I see dead people. And they don't know they're dead. So, you know, you go through the whole movie and you just see all this craziness, right? Because there's these people are dead, but they don't know they're dead. I'm getting the chills now, and I haven't watched this movie in a decade and a half, okay? I can still remember where I was sitting when the end of the movie happened, and we all find out that Dr. Malcolm Crow is dead. He died in the accident that happened or in the attack that happened in his house when his student came in and killed him. He doesn't even know he's dead. So Cole has been helping or is now going to be helping him as much as he was seeking to help Cole. I see dead people. I wonder. Are you one of them? Are you one of them? Are you dead? No, I know, I, I know you're, 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 you're here this morning, right? You're motivated. You're physically here. You're breathing. But are you spiritually dead? See, that's what Jesus said to this church. He said, you have a reputation for being alive. Literally, in Greek, you have a name for being alive. What's the name of this church? What's the name of it? Life. Life. No, I, it's not that I didn't hear you. I want you to hear you. I know the name of the church. A Christian is not someone that follows a set of rules that is a part of an ancient cultural movement that is being moved away from our culture now. A Christian is someone who is supposed to be spiritually alive, but I wonder if you are spiritually alive. If you're not interested in the things of God, you may need to check your pulse. There are signs of life being alive, having the Holy Spirit, producing the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. But you know, just being interested in the things of God, being interested in the Word of God, being alive when these songs are sung, I was having a hard time this morning because I was trying to switch camera angles and you know keep the words up there for you. And see, it's just hard when you're concentrating on, on other things to focus on worship, right? That's why I admire our band so much because um, you know they're playing instruments and they're singing songs and trying to remember lyrics and so forth and needing to enter into worship at the same time. But you and I, at least when I'm not up there, we don't have an excuse. And a lot of times. I'll just be honest with you. I'm not mad at you, but you just look bored, man. You're on your phone while we're worshiping? Amen. No, no, really. Now, see, we, we cop excuses. We're like, well, this is just a kid and this is a young person or whatever. Young people can be alive, too. I was a youth minister for years. 
Some of my young people were more alive than the older adults that were in my church. You can be alive too. Don't stop making excuses. My goodness. You can make a million excuses. We made a year and a half worth of excuses for the pandemic. Are you dead? Or are you alive? Now, that doesn't mean that everything's going right and that, you know, everything's perfect in your heart and your life and so forth. But I can tell you this. So I, I really, really try to be careful about what I pay attention to, what I listen to, what I let come into my eyes and my ears. And uh, I was watching uh, a, uh, a YouTube of a band yesterday. Um, Oh, I was playing them this morning. Let me let me look at this because they're called We the Kingdom. Have anybody ever heard of this band, We the Kingdom? Ridiculously talented people, man. But see, there's a lot of talented musicians out there. And I, by the way, I, I am not a musician. And I really admire musicians. I wish I could sing. I wish I could play the guitar. I wish I could play the piano. I wish, I wish, I wish. Those are not gifts God gave me. Now, I started to try to learn to play guitar and all these sorts of things. And you know, I took vocal lessons for a semester or two semesters in college and so forth. Um, but that's just not my deal. That's not my gig. But see, I've seen a lot of re really, really talented people who are supposed to be doing what they do for the Lord. And they're just bored. They're musicians and they like being on stage. And church is a good place to get a bunch of people together and listen to you, but they're not devoted to Jesus. They're not alive. I was absolutely convicted to my core yesterday, listening to one of the lead singers in this band talk about an experience that he had 20 years ago meeting Chris Tomlin. Now, these guys, if you've ever met musicians, I mean, bless your hearts, but you can be a little snobbish when you're like really good at what you do. Our band's not. But I've met musicians like that that are like, oh, what is that? A one, four, five chord pattern. That's one, three, five chord pattern. That's just really, really boring. And that's typical. And da, 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 you, know. you know, as if all of us want to hear some sort of incredibly complex jazz or something like that. Right. Jazz is great. But when you're trying to sing a worship song, it has to be kind of in a format that you can sing along with and so forth. Well, Chris Tomlin writes a lot of songs like that. And in fact, I'm not even remembering which song this particular singer uh, to uh, uh, this band, um, We the Kingdom. I keep forgetting their name, We the Kingdom. Uh, but he's, a, he, he's an older guy. In fact, he's wearing a hat like Dean. All right? In fact, he had kind of gray hair like yeah. <laughs> Actually, he doesn't look anything like you, but, but you do remind me of him a bit. But he's sitting on the stool and he talked about how initially he met Chris Tomlin. And I guess he, apparently he must be some sort of a, you know, quite a musician and songwriter and all this other stuff. And so Chris Tomlin handed him a tape of the new songs that Chris Tomlin was going to do. If you don't know Chris Tomlin, you've sung his songs, guaranteed. He's written many, many worship songs. He's probably the most prolific worship songwriter in the country over the last decade, two decades, right? So... He hands uh, this fella in We the Kingdom this tape, and the guy initially criticized it. He just, you know, we come at things with our flesh sometimes in the natural, right? Like you just see somebody and you don't like them. You don't know why, you just don't like them, right? Or you see somebody and they do something that annoys you and you criticize them or whatever. 
And uh, I'm just telling you this because I want you to understand that when you pay attention to the Lord and the Holy Spirit, he can revive you at any time. But that may involve him really, really coming in and convicting you. So here's what this guy said. He was, he was making fun of this very famous Chris Tomlin song. Now, he wasn't making fun of it to Chris Tomlin's face. He's just being honest that when he got the tape, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's a typical four-chord song and da-da-da-da. And he said, I have never heard the audible, and I'm going to choke up now because I know that I must be the, the I can't think of a, a, a thing that I've done that means I'm guilty of this, but I must be because I'm so convicted. I'm so deeply, deeply convicted by this. It's unbelievable. He's, he's making fun of this song, saying, oh, typical four-chord worship song, da-da-da-da. He said, I've never heard the voice of God, but it came to me as clearly as any voice that God said, how dare you curse what I have kissed? Wow. I do know that plenty of times I have been on the sarcastic side of making fun of Christians and Christian things and so forth and have sought for years to try to keep our church from falling into a pattern of just being a typical church and religious and so forth. And, and, and I don't think that I have succeeded at that, certainly, but I have succeeded at being critical at times. This doesn't even fit this message necessarily so much as to say, if you are open to the Holy Spirit to revive you, to wake you up, to make you come alive, then you've got to be available to that surgeon's knife that's going to come right in and cut you somewhere. And that cut me. How dare you curse what God has kissed? Wow. Are you alive? So if you've got a bulletin, I've got a little outline for this that I'll go through real quickly, just so you'll remember what I'm going to tell you. And this just comes out of that scripture. Number one is, I know your deeds. That's, that's what the scripture said that we read. I know your deeds. I know your works, some translations say that you have a name or a reputation that you are alive, but you are dead. So the question is, are you known as a Christian? Now, if you're not known as a Christian, if you're hiding that, then you don't have a reputation for being alive. So this passage doesn't necessarily apply to you, although you may still be dead. In fact, if you don't know Jesus, you are spiritually dead and are in need of a resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus was a literal bodily resurrection where Jesus had been dead, stopped breathing, stopped moving, had no heartbeat from Friday late afternoon all the way through Saturday and into Sunday early morning. One, two, three days. Not three 24-hour periods, but three days. Parts of two days and one full day. And then he was literally, physically, supernaturally raised from the dead and appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days and showed his hands and his feet to them where the wounds were. He ate with them. He taught them. He spoke to them and he sent them out to be witnesses. But you know, before you and I can have that resurrection, we have to have a spiritual resurrection. You see, your spirit is numb. It's asleep. It's dead. 
and it needs to be raised. Have you ever been sitting watching TV for a long period of time? Uh, and maybe you're just kind of in a particular position where, you know, you you're, had your leg folded up under you or something like that, or maybe you're just sitting for a while, and you go to stand up and you, you do that. Have you ever done that? Right? Or have you ever been laying, you know, on your side and you, you had your hand right here or something like that, like under your head, and then you wake up and then your hand is dead and you're like, what? What? It's going, and like, you know, it has that real weird feeling, right? And it's like you start shaking it. You're like, please don't be dead. I just, please don't be dead, right? That's numb. Or have you ever been to the dentist? Yeah, I am in And they, they stick that needle up in your, and then they talk like this for a while afterwards. Because you're dead. The part of your face is dead. And you can't even speak properly because part of your face is dead. Because it's, yeah, you lost all the feeling in that part. That's the way you are spiritually, naturally. And you have to have a resurrection. You have to wake up. Right? So when I have a body part that falls asleep, I mean, I'm, I'm shaking it. I'm getting up. I'm, I, I don't want that. I, I don't, I need my hand. It needs to work. I need my foot. I need my leg. I need that to work. Right? So you get up and you shake it. You do something about it, don't you? And, you know, when the dentist shoots you with Novocaine, you just got to kind of wait for the effects to wear off, right? Um, so, number two, you need to wake up. That's what Jesus said. Wake up. Strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. So, let's look at that example of having a part, you know, a body part asleep or something like that, like your leg falls asleep or whatever. You strengthen what remains. You get up and you exercise what remains and you shake that part that is asleep so that it will wake up and that's where we are. Stay with me. Number three, you may still have some habits that reflect your faith, but you are getting close to quitting. Now, I'm not trying to make that statement over you and say you are close to quitting, but I bet some of you have had those thoughts. So it's time to return to the point of your commitment to Christ. So have you thought about quitting? Thought about quitting life, quitting your faith, quitting church. I got news for you. Wherever you go, there you are. You can't run away from you. You can try to run away from God, but God's everywhere. Read Psalm 139. He's in the heights. He's in the depths. He's everywhere. You can't run away from God. You can run away from church. But you know what? God sometimes sends people to you to speak to you, and, you know, he's still trying to woo you. You can run away from your Christian profession and say, well, you know, now I consider myself uh, this or that or the other thing, okay? But I'm not talking to people that have already run away. I'm talking to people who may have been thinking about quitting. And I'm telling you that Jesus is saying to you today, it's time to return to the point that you were before, the point where you were alive before, right? Number four, 
Kindle the fire that once burned bright. Do you know what kindle means? Or you can say rekindle because it was already once kindled. Anybody ever built a fire? I know Lige has. Did you know Lige is an Eagle Scout? He's the real deal. You want to take him camping. When I go camping, I want Lige going with me. I'm like, snake bite, help me. He's like, oh, no problem. I'm just going to take my knife. And... I mean, he can probably make a fire out of anything, you know, out of a rock. Fire. I'm an Eagle Scout. Kindle afresh. That means it was already kindled. Kindling a fire means kindling, right, is the, the, usually the small sticks that you put at the base of the fire, right? Because you can't take a big log and just stick a, you know, a match on it and expect that it will light. It's not going to. You've got to get kindling, and you've got to get even, you know, sometimes uh, stuff that's finer than that, like just straw or whatever. That can be called kindling, too. And so you light the stuff that's easier, which lights the stuff that's the next easiest, which finally lights the big log. So see, what I'm saying is, this scripture says rekindle the fire that once burned bright. Maybe you need to start with the easy stuff. Maybe you've got something big that needs to happen in your life, something big that needs to change, but it's like a big log. I'm I'm telling you, you can't light a big log like that you got to light the smaller stuff, and the smaller stuff will light the bigger stuff. Now, God can light a big log like that. We won't get around the fact that God's a miracle-working God, amen? And he can light a big log like that. I mean, we got stories in the Old Testament of God sending fire from heaven and just consuming whole sacrifices and stuff. But this scripture is saying that you need to wake up. There's something you need to do. And the passage that I'm alluding to right now is in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And this is what it says. For this reason, Paul writes to Timothy, I remind you to kindle afresh, rekindle, the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Amen? I think that's the message for you this morning. Don't quit. Kindle. Quit making excuses, man. Get off your phone, man. You just put so many bad messages in your head. You know that? I, I'm just not speaking over you bad things and point fingers at you. I'm just saying this is what I face, so it's probably what you face. And it's what I see. So I try to surround myself with stuff that's going to encourage my faith. So even when I'm working out at the gym, I mean, I got, I got these really fancy headphones that go around my ear, and I, I tried so many headphones, and I finally found some that actually work. And uh, they're Bluetooth, and so I can go and work out and not be encumbered and whatever. But you know what I'm listening to? Hey, listen, I grew up in the 70s, okay? So album rock, you know? That's what I like, that old school stuff. You listen to bands like Aerosmith that have been around for 100 years. I was around when they first came around. These are the types of bands that I listened to, Aerosmith and Led Zeppelin and later Boston and Van Halen. But do you think that's what I listen to when I work out? 
or typically what I listen to. I won't say that I don't ever listen to On occasion, I listen to these things. No, I surround myself with music that is going to light my heart on fire. And I'm telling you what, I've, I've tried to recommend this to you guys on several occasions, but I have been in a steady state of revival over the last month uh, as a result of listening to a project called Old Church Basement by Elevation Worship and Maverick City Music. I've tried to get you to listen to this, and you really need to pay attention to me. Maverick City Music, Elevation Worship. It's called Old Church Basement. Enter any of those terms and you'll find it. It's just a picture of an old overhead projector in sort of a sepia tone, okay? Listen to almost any song on there, and I can almost guarantee you revival will begin to kindle again. I listen to a lot of songs, worship songs, and there are a lot of talented people out there, but there are not a lot of anointed people out there. I know, a very charismatic term, that term anointed, very Pentecostal. I'm supposed to be a Baptist, right? I'm a Bapticostal. That's what I am. I'm baptismatic. Listen to me, man. When I listen to these worship singers on this project, and I listen to what they're doing in the background, I want that. I want that in our church. That's what I want. I want you to be more expressive, but I don't want you to fake it until you make it. I want it to be real. I don't want fake tears and fake running around and fake falling down and flopping around and no, 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 no. But I think some real tears should be shed. And I think some real tears of joy and real laughter can happen here as well. But that's what happens when you're alive. When you're alive, you feel it, amen? Now, you guys know me. I really caution you about following your emotions. But I got news for you. If you don't feel anything, you're dead. Hello. You don't feel nothing, you're dead. I don't wake up. Strengthen the things that remain. That's what he said. So, number five, finish what you've started. If you've started. Now, if you haven't started, today's a good place to start. But you need to finish what you started whenever it was that you started it. When did you come to faith in Jesus? What's your testimony? What's your story? What's your God story? When did you come to faith in Jesus? If you don't know, you're probably not saved. You might not be able to point to an exact date, I can. I can tell you I moved and moved and moved toward a date. But on Easter Sunday of 1978, yep, I'm old. I was 16 years old. And my mom let me drive the 1973 Ford F-150 that I learned to drive in. She let me have it that morning. Whoa, that was like a big deal. And I drove my sister. She went with me. And we went to church. We went to the North Phoenix Baptist Church. Right at Bethany Home and Central in Phoenix. Big church. The reason I knew about it, because they put their services on TV. And the pastor just preached the gospel. And I had been there probably about five or six times. And every time I went, they gave an invitation. They sang, just as I am. And people would stand up and they would go forward, just like at a Billy Graham crusade. 
And I always felt moved, like I needed to get up and move, but I was too scared to move because I was worried about what other people would think of me. This is a big church and it's on TV. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. If you confess me, I'll confess you. So I said, okay, God, I'm going to do this. Let's do this. So I made a plan. At 16, I'd gotten my driver's license. Buddy, 15 years and seven months, you could get your permit. I had my permit. And I was driving at 16. Didn't have my vehicle yet, but I was already planning. I was getting a job. I was working. Because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to get to church every week if I didn't have my own vehicle to get there. So I was planning. And I drove there Easter Sunday, 1978, and I sat on the outside of the pew. Now these, you know, you guys are, are kind of sitting in seats that would have a similar feel here. I've got you all together so that I can talk to you, right? But if you're in the middle, you got to get up and you got to walk past these people, right, in order to get out, which some of you don't mind. You just go to the bathroom, right? Okay. Oh. That's why I like this configuration, too, because if you decide that you just can't wait, well, you're not a distraction. You go that way, right? It's cool. And if you come this way, Elijah's going to trip you right here. I sat on the edge, right out, right out here on the edge, just like you guys are, so that I could be ready to come forward. So that I, I was planning. I knew they were going to have that invitation. I don't even know what the pastor preached that morning. I was just sitting there ready to go so that I could make my confession of faith to Jesus public. I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And just as I am, I was the first one forward. I got up. And got busy and got with it. That's when I started my faith in Jesus, Easter Sunday, 1978. I can tell you I have probably missed church a total of two or three times since then. How many times have you missed church? You see, when I came to Jesus, I was dead serious about it. I wasn't playing games. I didn't come to Jesus because my mama or my grandmama or you know somebody that I knew went to church I came to Jesus because I wanted to give my life to Jesus. And that might be what you need to do today because you can't rekindle what hasn't been kindled. And you can't come back to life if you've never been to life. You can't be revived if you haven't been vived. Follow what I'm saying? So you need to look at yourself and say, am I really saved? Do I really have this? Is this something that's in my life? Not asking if you're perfect. Not asking if you've got it all together. Not asking if you like all kinds of worship songs and stuff like that. But I will tell you this. I like all sorts of music that I didn't like before because of the content of it. I mean, back when we're talking way back, I start coming to this church and they sang hymns. They had a big choir. Our music director's name was Forbes Woods and he was like an opera star. No, literally, this guy was a, oh, and he sang all of these songs. <laughs> and then we had, we had this lady in our church that could hit these high notes. I mean, it was just like, this is the, you know, hold the glass out and it shatters the glass type of thing, right? Ooh, I won't do that because that, you'll... You'll leave. <laughs> but we had, we had all sorts of stuff like that. We did these huge musical. Forbes was like this guy that just did these, 
these gargantuan musicals and all of this stuff. Man, listen, I jumped into all of it. I was like, what? I, whatever, I'm doing it all. I didn't just come to church on Sunday morning. I came to church on Sunday night because that's when the youth choir sang. And we didn't have like a youth group that was really separate from youth choir. You just got in youth choir. So I sang in the youth choir. And then we would come out there and we would sing. Monday night was outreach. I went to Monday night outreach. Wednesday night was prayer meeting, which was really a Bible study. And I went to that. And anything and everything that they did, I went to, even though I had to rearrange my work schedule in order to do it. Do you know why? Because I was a church boy? No, because I'd never gone to church because I love Jesus, man. And see, I know the people in here, you love your kids. I watch you around them. You love them. You think about them. You work hard for them. But do you love Jesus, man? I, I know you, I, I've done a lot. I've officiated a lot of, of, of weddings in here. I'm very proud of you guys. You're amazing people. You've stayed together over all these years, and I know you love your spouses. You guys love each other. That doesn't mean you don't fight sometimes, all right? You're good at hiding it. I know. That's good. I never see it. But you love each other. It's obvious. Is it obvious that you love Jesus? You see, we have this presumptive faith. Well, of course. Well, of course. There is no of course. There either is or there isn't. You're either alive or you're not. You're awake or you're asleep. And the message today is wake up. Finish what you started. Whenever it was you started, I just gave you my start. Number six, remember what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. That's just straight out of verse three. You need to remember what you've received and what you've heard. So what you're going to need to do is you're going to need to go back in time here. And you're going to need to think about what you need to do to make some adjustments. You're going to need to go back to the last time that you were obedient to the Lord. You need to go back to the last time that you remember being alive if you've ever been alive. Listen to this uh, passage. This is a, an old uh, teacher, Bible teacher by the name of G. Campbell Morgan in his book, Discipleship. He, re, he writes, and you're going to have to kind of hang on a little bit because this was written a long time ago. Language is going to kind of sound sort of King James-ish. If I am not in this place of maintained fellowship, where did I depart therefrom? What word of his have I disobeyed? Oh, listen to that again, because that's not too hard for you to understand. What word, what message, what dictate, what command, what word of his have I disobeyed? To that point, let me return, whether it be but an hour ago or years. And there, let me absolutely surrender at whatever cost and do what he requires, however small or however irksome it appears to be. So, number seven, you need to go back before you can go forward. You need to return to the last place where you were alive and figure out why you started dying there. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because you started disobeying. You fell in love with the world. That might have meant that might mean you fell in love with somebody that doesn't love Jesus. That might mean you fell in love with things. You become enchanted by the world. Then you become inured by the world. That means you just get used to it. You're just jaded. You don't even think about it anymore. You're trapped in it. 
and you're dead. And you're still going on films. You're here at church. You're watching today. There's got to be a reason for that. And I told you last week I have, I have nothing but praise for this group of people and all that you've done to keep this church alive during the pandemic and all the hard work that, that you, know, you go through. But I, can I just be honest with you? You need to stop being satisfied with that. Why be satisfied? Never be satisfied with what this world has to offer. God has better things for you. Oh, that, but that's a song you need to listen to in that Maverick City Worship, Elevation Worship Project, man. All right? Now, him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine according to his power, which is at work within you. Woo! God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what you ask or imagine. I got a good imagination. You think you're going after what you want, and God's got stuff that is so much better for you. You know what you're going to get when you get what you want and it's not what God wants? You're going to get buyer's remorse. Do you know what that is? That's what happens when you go out and you make a big purchase and about a day or two or a month later you think, why did I spend this money? Why did I sign this contract on this car? Sure, it's a nice car, but I hate paying these big payments. And you start seeing all these other things that you don't like. That's kind of what I did on my uh, last vehicle before this one that I'm leasing right now, and I had that Nissan Maxima. It was a great car, but I did have buyer's remorse because it was just too much money. Just paying too much money. And it was a pride thing. I went into that dealership and I was like, no, I'm driving out of there today with this. And I did. But I was paying about $50 a month more than I needed to pay, or maybe even $75 a month more than I needed to pay. And I had to eat that for three years. That's buyer's remorse. But see, some of y'all get buyer's remorse on things that are far more long-term than 36 months. Right? I'm looking at some teenagers here, nearly 20-somethings here. You're making big choices with your life. Younger teenager, you're making big choices with your life. And there's things that you're making in your mind right now that are going to become cement soon enough. And when it gets hard, you can't get out of it short of a jackhammer. You know, I made some stupid choices when I was younger. And even though Jesus has saved me from the consequences of all of those, I still have to live with some of those choices. That's long-term buyer's remorse because it's been a long, long time since I was a teenager. And I still like teenagers, but I wouldn't go back and become one again for any reason. Hallelujah. Have fun. It's a joyous time of life. Alex, you're almost there. Rolling up on 12, going to 13. Yep, enjoy it. Enjoy it while you got it. It's going away. Sabian turned 19. Yeah. You're almost not a teenager anymore. Got the last year to think about it. So you need to go back before you can go forward. All right? Last one. Jesus is coming like a thief in the night. That's what he said. The thief comes and breaks into your house at night so he can sneak in and grab everything out of it. The point behind calling Jesus the thief in the night is not that he's going to steal something from you, but that he's going to come unexpectedly, right? That means he will act when you least expect. And that's the scary thing about this verse, right? So I read part of that there to you. Let me read the sort of, I guess you would call it the aftermath, what Jesus 
sort of threatens. He says, therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I come to you. You think there's no consequences for your actions because you haven't been caught yet. But when it happens, it's like that. And then everything comes falling down. Have a change of heart now while you have an opportunity. Don't wait. Don't wait until you get in jail to have a jailhouse conversion. I'll come visit you in jail if you're, you know, can be visited. If you want it, got to put me on the list. <laughs> Not as easy as you think it is. But why go there? Why do stupid stuff? Why do stuff that will ruin your, your family and ruin your life? Why do stupid stuff? Kids, you're making choices right now. You're making decisions right now. Nobody makes up, makes up their mind and says, you know what, I'm going to become a heroin addict. That's what I'm going to become with my life. That's what I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to become an alcoholic. I, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to continue to drink until I ruin my life. That's, that's a good choice. That's not how it works. You just go do stuff that your friends do. And at first it's small and it's not harmful. But then it gets a hold of you and now you're locked in and you can't get out. Jesus can still save you. But see, I'm talking to some people now, young people right now, who can make better choices. Now, I'm not saying I see you making bad choices to begin with. I just know the array of choices that are in front of you. I just know what your so-called friends are trying to tell you to do and say and think and feel. If they ain't following Jesus, they're liars because they're following the father of lies. I'm not calling them liars because I don't like them or disagree with them. I'm just telling you that's all of us. We don't know Jesus. We're just following the father of lies. And our culture is full of that right now. You're going to follow other people that are following the culture. This is a... a satanic, antichrist culture. I got to follow Jesus. I got to love Jesus. So what I'm saying is, whatever God is speaking to you today, wake up. He who overcomes will be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Life well, live up to your name. So we're going to conclude our service today. If you've never committed your life to Jesus, or if it's been so long and you don't even know, if you need to recommit your life to Jesus, it's just as simple as saying, Jesus, I believe in you. Come into my life. I'll follow you. Do that and he will. Amen?